Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. finally happened you know it finally happened i get i turned over the keys to twitter it's true you. we did it we we managed to rotate pdf and now i can i logged into the props not aliens twitter account you can twitter or tristan is now able to tweet from our props not aliens account a thing that i was not aware he was not able to do until he told me recently on on oh, an no. episode <laughs> that, being like by the way scott i can't log into that i'm like oh i thought i okay i'm sorry i had no idea and now you got it yeah it only took um 15 months but we got it <laughs> we got there and you tweeted out your very first tweets from that account yeah fucking around with uh with dolly the thing that yes. basically controls twitter right now um yes where you just write in a prompt and you get an ai to generate pictures and i uh i have made one for uh david cronenberg's the thing and now for kevin bacon starring in stargate and so yeah we are set i we're, i, I, we're I, I set. quoted i have i have quoted you have <laughs> You've made a quote. Yes, you have. And uh, and anytime we get anything else wrong, movie-wise on this podcast, <laughs> we can just make our own make our own reality. Yeah. What's basically. that? Um, I don't know which which, Ave which Avengers this is. The one where Thanos is like, and now reality can be whatever I want. Yeah, it's like that. It's like it's like a MythBusters. I reject your reality and substitute my own. It's all of these things. We have the power now, thanks to artificial intelligence. Um, which do you think artificial intelligence, do you think it's going to take over our, our job in the future? Like, do you think there's going to be artificial like AI generated, AI generated podcasts well, that tell you facts? I will say, and this is terrifying, uh, but I have, when you have a new baby, you have a lot of time where you have to like, I don't know how they watched YouTube before YouTube existed, but basically where you have uh -huh. to sit and watch lots of YouTube videos because you are half asleep and you can't use your arms. And so you just let autoplay take you for a ride. Oh, um, you just let the watch next decide your fate. Yeah, and I've done that for like hours because like a baby will not sleep or whatever. Anyways, uh, I wound up in a corner of YouTube that is, this is going to be terrifying, but uh -huh. basically people who have put together a workflow where um, they go to uh, websites. I'm not going to name any of them because I don't know. I don't want to, I don't pay me if you want yeah, me to say your website. they don't sponsor us. They don't sponsor us. But um, websites that use artificial intelligence to generate text and so you give a prompt like write a script about why ancient aliens is bad and it would just generate like a thousand words about why ancient aliens is bad and then they take that script and then they plug it into another website that generates with google image search it uses like google image search and like sort of like some ai stuff to find pictures to associate with all the different lines and turns all of the text into oh, no. a like sort of a powerpoint slide deck style video and then doing it. and then there's, there's they more take, they take the text they then take that video out and then they take the text to another website that okay. is like a sort of like expensive uh, or like kind of like a fancier version of like a text to speech program. Oh no. And they put that in as the voiceover and then they just kind of like slap edit all that together and they put out like 10, 15 videos a day. And like, I watched that whole process and I'm like, that's it. We're you, done. You know, like you just need, cause like I'm, all I can think is like, you just get like some simple news story or something sure. like, like if you got like some news beat that you want to cover and you just do that, you could pump out like 10 videos a day and people will watch it if it's short. <laughs> so yeah, we're done. We're, we're done eventually. We're done. Quick, say, say us, say a, a phrase that no artificial intelligence could ever conjure up. Like what's, we got to say something that is, is wholly unique 
to us and uh, could never could never be replicated by a machine to just to prove our, our worth and our value. The Star Wars prequels were watchable. Oh, OK, that's good. That's good. That's, that's a lie. It's no. not true. I, I, I don't I don't I don't I do not believe that. But uh, but no machine would ever lie. say that. Yeah, machines can't yeah. lie. So machines can't lie. That's true. So then I would say something like, hey, 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 Scott, this is your this is your grandparents speaking. We love we we love your podcast that talks about all the things that go against some of our beliefs. So that's a thing that that would never happen, right? There you go. That's a thing that my that that would my grandparents would never say. Uh-huh. Um, no, I'm sure they would. My 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 grandparents don't know what a podcast is, so that it just ends there. If my grandparents had anything to say about my podcast right now, I'd be genuinely surprised because they are all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here's one. Ooh, I'm a hey Scott. I I think your cat is ugly. See, no one would ever say that. No one would say, "Hey Scott, nice wonder." I think your cat is ugly because my cats are so cute and adorable. So there mm-hmm. you go. No, yeah. no machine would ever say that. Yeah, no one can generate uh, false movie facts like I can. So that's true. That's um, true. Anyway, yeah. Should we? Should we? Let's. Oh should we wait, prove? there's a podcast happening. <laughs> In what little time we have left before the. AI takeover, we should record a podcast. See, the thing we? is, yeah, this is the thing. Po- uh, uh, when the AI takes over and does podcasts, they'll probably get to the content sometime before the 10 minute mark. Oh, they'll <laughs> jump into it. Yeah, they're gonna, it's gonna be so boring. You're gonna click on, you're gonna click play and it'll be like, oh, today we're talking about this and here's the answer. Bye bye. Where are you gonna get this banter? Where are you gonna get this fun banter between myself, who's, my, which is my name is Scott Nicewander and I know nothing nothing and then also with me and this other person who's here yeah me tristan johnson who knows things i guess uh i i I go down rabbit holes and come back here with the horrible truth that i have discovered and he won't let me look away He 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 shows up every week and he's like scott i've got another one and i'm like no hi i'm tristan i'm the abyss looking back how's everyone doing This is a podcast uh, called It's Probably Not Aliens, where Mm -hmm. we uh, look at ancient astronaut theory, uh, the ancient aliens show on History Channel, and we look at some of their theories and some of their beliefs. Um, We mostly debunk them, but, you know, we just kind of look at them and we learn about real world people, places, cultures, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. What are we we talking about today, Tristan? We are tangibly getting worse at this every episode. Yes. (laughs) Um, I have a feeling that if you were to graph, like, how long before we get to the point uh, in every episode that you could just see like a like a bar chart just going up <laughs> over time. Yeah, it takes us longer and longer before we start the episode and yeah, yeah. we don't apologize for no, that because no, we no, have fun, fun with it. Yeah, you're probably like on the bus, the subway or in America uh, driving in your little car in like 90 minutes of traffic and you, yeah. know, you want some you want some people hanging out and chilling. Um, today we're talking about ancient nukes and this isn't going to be the only only episode about ancient nukes because we have uh trumpet please moved on to episode five of ancient aliens (laughs) (laughs) we finally did it we're we're over 40 episodes in of our podcast and we got to episode five of the show ancient aliens they have a lot they do a lot of stuff at every episode yeah 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 um, and every time I have to stop and be like, wait a minute, no. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go and go through an entire process of like, yeah, it's it's exhausting. But um, the, this episode begins with some real bangers. So like this is the beginning of an episode about essentially close encounters between aliens and humans throughout history. And it starts Ooh. with nuclear wars. This one, we're going to India, uh, a place it. that we haven't been, I think, since like episode two or three or four or something like that. I know it's it's been a while. But I'm I'm excited to be back. What well, we, we were talking about the um, the flying machines, right? Yeah, the, the Vimanas. Vimanas. I knew it started with a V. I forgot what it was called. Yeah, it's wow. That was a really early episode. Yeah, we mm-hmm. are we're back. We're talking about ancient nukes in uh, ancient India. Oh, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. So so according to ancient aliens, um, there's a depiction in the Bhagavad Gita uh, that is a reference to something called Brahma weapons that. Mm-hmm. if you hear their descriptions describe a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. 
Hmm, interesting. Now, but the thing is that this was thousands of years ago. How could they have known what a nuclear bomb is thousands of years before the first one was invented? Yeah, how how did they do that? And would we know? Would there be evidence behind that shows that it was, in fact, a, a nuclear explosion, like radiation or something? I don't know. Yeah, so, so that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Brahma weapons specifically. And I did uh, try to reach out to a Hindu studies professor who uh, <laughs> correctly did not respond to my email asking whether or not Brahma weapons are nuclear bombs. That's fair. You uh, know, we try. We did our due j- diligence and uh, I'm sure they get questions like that all the time and are very yeah. annoyed by it. And that's why we're here to, to try and stop those questions. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. in place of that, I reached out to uh, one of my friends who's Hindu. Um, and by reached out, I mean that we go to the farmer's market every Sunday. So I just asked her and she gave me some advice. She told me some stuff. Fantastic. So so we'll see how well I do. Um, This is this is me uh, putting some stuff together, but uh, we'll see what what what, what's going on here. What's going on here? And and this one, this one, I will say is one of the ones where like if I wasn't a little more skeptical, I would buy it. Really? Yeah. So we'll get we'll get into that. But yeah, we'll get into it. So because I remember we I know we bring this up every so often but you and I did a video together because uh, we're also youtubers in case no one knew that um, you and I did a video together to basically promote this podcast where we talked about Marvel's eternals and how it's incredibly closely linked with ancient aliens and ancient astronaut theory and in that video we I, we talked about Brahma weapons and we talked about how even in the Eternals in the comics, there's all this stuff with ancient nuclear weapons that wiped out entire civilizations. And even in the movie, there's a whole bit where where they one of the uh, yeah, Eternals the, the first time a nuclear yeah. weapon. There was a time uh, when I was like, because I was like kind of iffy on watching the Eternals because uh-huh. um, I'm a little tired of Marvel movies. I'll I'll get I'll, be perfect. I'll keep fair. it a hundred. I know Scott like I, I don't know blame that, you. Um, that's sort of your bread and butter, but um, but I'm really tired of them um and then when i found out that it has a scene where a disney disney pixar marvel fox production Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. a superhero in place where people wear tights and shoot lasers at each other has a scene that takes place the site of hiroshima the nuclear bomb attack by the united states against japan where um six digits of people died Like, yeah, um, and it's basically like that one's on me, gang. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Um, that's what we like to call a big oof. And uh, it's internet a big term. oof. Yeah. But, but all that to say, like this idea, this idea of Brahma weapons and just ancient nukes in general uh, very much goes back to like all the way back to like the start of, of ancient astronaut theory. I feel if, if Jack Kirby was using it and was very heavily inspired by Eric Von Daniken, then, you know, this, it feels like it was, it was a thought that's been around for a while. Would not surprise me. The other thing too, is I think the, we worked on another video together. It was also about nuclear weapons. Oh my God, so we did. Oh we my God. Like a, so this, this is kind of like personal. This is a sort of personal thing because I think this has to do yeah. with the fact that I have a weird pre, occupation with my fear of nuclear war and mm-hmm. it sort of seems to find its way into everything I do. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, so f- I didn't even I, for- I totally forgot about that. But every video <laughs> we've worked on has mentioned nuclear weapons in some capacity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so nuclear nuclear stuff and radio radio radiation stuff um, really freaks my being. So um, so yeah, we're going to talk about Brahma weapons. Um, the term that actually comes up in the Bhagavad Gita that they're referring to is called uh, Brahmastra. Uh, and okay. then I, the, 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 the rolled R was just a flourish. I don't think they actually do that. Um, but basically, off. yeah, yeah. Uh, Brahmastra, uh, I, Sanskrit, they didn't do that. So this is like a supernatural weapons uh, that are capable of huge amounts of destructive power. So the reference we have here is something called the uh, the Brahma Shirsha Astra, which is 
in the writing of it, a weapon that's capable of destroying the universe oh. uh, of basically vanquishing all beings. So that's pretty powerful then, huh? Yeah. The entire it, universe. That's pretty big. Yeah. They're talked about a lot as being some of the most destructive, powerful and irresistible weapons in Hinduism. Some of the most powerful. Mm-hmm. Are there more powerful ones? We'll get into that. Um, they can destroy multiple universes. Yeah. But they're made. Uh, so, so these weapons, according to Hindu writings are weapons created by Brahma, who is essentially like the god of gods to Hindus. He is gotcha. the creator god of the world. Uh, you'll probably see depictions of him. Depictions of Brahma are of a man with uh, four faces uh, facing in all different directions. Mm, uh, yeah, so, I've seen that. So that, that's usually the picture that depicts Brahma, but he is uh, essentially the creator of the universe and uh, sort of all that. And yeah, he's basically like up there with uh, the gods like Vishnu and Shiva as like mm-hmm. the chief triad of the major gods and like uh, you know, like Hinduism has thousands of gods but um, but these three are like these are the big the three. big one yeah 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 all right um, the description of these Brahma weapons are as fiery weapons that create a fierce fireball that uh-huh. blazes up with terrible flames oh. and causes countless horrendous thunder flashes yeah I mean. It's, I mean, I don't know if that's a, as specific to, to say it's a nuclear weapon, but it sounds it, it sounds like at least a very powerful, very uh, deadly thing. Yeah, it gets even it just gets even wilder. Um, okay. When these when this bomb or when the uh, Brahma weapon goes off, all nature, trees, oceans and animals tremble and the sky surrounds in flames. Glaciers melt oh. and mountains shatter with copious noise all around. Oh, now this this. This imagery calls back to a, like a lot of test footage of nuclear weapons where like mm-hmm. you'll see trees just blowing in in the, you know, just by sheer force or yeah, like even the sky ca- catching on fire a little bit. Like there's just like so much, so much energy from there. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, you know, I got to be the person on this on this podcast that is like, I don't know, maybe they're onto something here. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm and, on board. And we wouldn't be the first person to make this connection. Uh, Robert Oppenheimer, one of the uh, chief people behind the creation of the first nuclear weapon. Uh, you yes. probably remember that he actually cites the Bhagavad Gita and actually mm-hmm. mentions the the quote, like, I have become death destroyer of worlds. So mm-hmm. this connection has already been made by the people who were designing nuclear weapons in the first place. Yeah, they they saw what they made and they were like, oh yeah, this, this is reminiscent of these, you know, incredibly powerful <laughs> weapons mm-hmm. from, from these writings. Yeah, yeah so from what I can figure out, there are basically two Brahma weapons. Uh, one is called the Brahmastra, which is an extremely powerful but person-centric weapon. This is essentially like, I'm trying to think of like an example that would be in a mythology that we'd understand, but basically mm. a weapon that could annihilate the most powerful of entities in the world, you know, can kill immortals and like those kinds of things. Mm. Uh and, ba- and basically they would uh, it would be able to destroy anyone who doesn't have its counter weapon. So that, gotcha. that, that's the role it plays in sort of the, the narrative there. So it's called yeah, it's called a Brahmastra and Astra uh, from what I can figure out more or less became like the term for like archer or arrow. Uh, and so a lot of depictions of the Brahma weapons oh. are as arrows. So if that wants you to fit, if that fits like the sort of thing, then that kind of works. Okay. Um, it's like if you got it's like if Superman, here's a crazy Here's a here's a wild idea that no one's ever done before. It's like if Superman was evil and then you had Kryptonite to take him down because yeah. he need is that am I kind of close? Like it's like the one sort of big weakness that could take him down. And if it's an arrow, if you make it an arrow, you if can you get like arrow, Oliver Queen to shoot it. You could do that, and then and, then, and, he, and but he has but he only has one arm. How does he do it? I don't know. He's got to use his feet or something. We're writing a story. Yeah, that's a unique one. No one's ever done that. Um, I like it. But yeah, so so like that. So that that's one like this is like capable of destroying the most powerful of foes the other one that i think is more what um ancient aliens is going for is something called uh the burma the burma Shish, okay my sanskrit not the best um burma shirsha astra and this is the one that has the capability of creating massive collateral damage okay basically it says that if it goes off every useful resource in a given area would be destroyed and it would prevent even a single blade of grass from ever growing in the 
that area again. In the Bhagavad Gita, they say that in a place where uh, the um, where this weapon goes off, uh, there would be no rainfall for 12 Brahma years. And a Brahma year is described as 3.11 trillion human years. So this oh, would mean boy. that this would make this place uninhabitable for 37.32 trillion years, which is I, uh, dwarfs yeah. the age of the current universe. I was going to say um, there's some pretty big with this information, there's some pretty big holes in the idea that some of these may have been set off in the past. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's 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 one thing. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And yeah. So basically the idea is that the uh, that the uh, an attack from these will basically destroy anything. Yeah. And the story that these that these weapons come up in uh, speaks to a story about two characters. There's Arjuna and Ashwatthama, and they almost use the uh, the Brahmashira Astra against each other at the end of something called the Kuru, the Kurukshetra War, which is a big uh, chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And it basically mm-hmm. covers a massive 18 day war. That's from I'll explain it in ways that that uh, in nerd sync terms, it's okay. basically Thanks. like the Avengers uh, Infinity War slash oh, I know uh, them. Endgame. Of, oh, I've heard of that of Hinduism. Like this 18 day war has like all of the big players, all the all the gods, all the immortal heroes, all the yeah. like mythical figures yeah. and stuff like that all Popping show up. Up through portals. Yeah. Because yeah. basically this war divides um, this like major kingdom in India and essentially pits like the entire immortal world of the Hindu like pantheon against each other. Mm-hmm. And it leads to like basically this like, apocalyptic war in the heavens because this is metal as hell. Yeah, this sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> This sounds really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So these two people, Arjuna and Ashwatthama, almost use it against each other, but they're stopped by Narada, Krishna, and Vyasa, and and, and in doing so, prevent the destruction of the earth. Oh, thank goodness. Arjuna is a character in several ancient Hindu texts, uh, and he's one of the major characters in an epic called the the Mahabharata, uh, mm-hmm. which the Mahabharata, sorry. Uh, and essentially, like um, from what I can pick up, Arjuna is sort of like uh, a a figure of war, um, very much mm. like warriors and stuff like that. Uh, refer mm-hmm. to Arjuna. Uh, the other one, Ashwatthama, who is the son of uh, people named Drona and uh, Kripi, is born because his mother does a bunch of penance to Lord Shiva to obtain a son and wants to have the same valiance as Lord Shiva. So he, so the son, uh, Ashwatthama, becomes something called uh, a Chiranjivi, which okay. is a group of eight immortals who are destined to remain alive on the earth until the end of the current Kali Yuga, which in Hinduism is a term for sort of like, they believe that, um, so, so to understand history and time in Hinduism, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to understand that they believe that like like it's based on dharma right like the whole idea that um or 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 karma like the idea that uh, you're born and you die and you're born in like sort of reincarnation cycles. They believe okay. that, that something like this is also true for the earth and that the earth is go that like, like time is basically, it has no beginning. It has no end. And it's sort of, we go through cycles constantly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Kali Yuga is basically like an age of the earth. And this event, this war gotcha. sort of kicks off the current Kali Yuga, the fourth, Kali Yuga, that is essentially our age. Gotcha. This, I mean, it sort of feels like eter- like Eternals a little bit. There like might have been this, some inspiration here. Might have been some inspiration here, just because, like, yeah, this idea of, like, a, a handful of, of people who have to live out on on earth immortally until uh until a very specific time mm-hmm. yeah other things about ashwatthama that make him pretty cool is that he was born with a gem on his forehead and that gem gives him power over all living beings lower than humans uh he also is immune to hunger thirst and fatigue have you ever this is a very um random tangent have you ever seen the movie i think it's called nines no gosh i think it has ryan reynolds in it and um hold on i have to look this up now so the the movie's called the nines it's from 2007 it's got ryan reynolds and hope davis and melissa mccarthy uh and some other people but it is about this idea that there are there are certain people who are have like weird telekinetic powers so they're above all the other humans and they're called like nines and like every living being on the planet is like ranked from one to ten and so when you're like when you're saying like this person 
person has control over beings that are below humans. That's what it reminds me of is this movie is this movie that no one else saw but me called The Nines. And I, I hear the question that's on your mind. Well, if the telekinetic special humans are nines, then what are tens? What's the being that's above spe- superhuman, you know, people? And uh, the answer to that is pandas, panda bears can Makes control. Sense. They're the, very cute. They can control the weather, apparently. So I just wanted to throw that out there to everyone uh, who's never heard of this movie or who saw this movie and forgot about it. It's now on your mind again. I don't know what it was about, but I just remember the idea that uh, pandas are the most uh, powerful creatures on this planet because they can control the weather. Which is very strange because biologically, it's almost like they're begging to go extinct. But that's a different they story. They super want to die. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we only eat one thing, but it's also a thing that our bodies aren't very good at digesting. So we have to eat a ton of it. And also we don't want to reproduce like we like they just we, we just will not do it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then and then also, yeah, like they've like got no natural defenses and like they live in the green forest and they're black and white. So it's like, OK, OK, OK. I like, I get it. You're cute and I don't want you to go extinct, but like, can you like, like work with us here? (laughs) At least they can make it hot or cold with their superpowers. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, Ashwa, so, so back to Ashwa Thomas. <laughs> yes. Sorry for that tangent. I just needed to get that off of my mind and onto anyone, any, literally anyone else's mind. Ashwatthama. Uh, yeah. So, uh, essentially like he starts off being like, uh, like he was born, like very difficult childhood. Um, eventually, uh, his mother takes him to the Panchal kingdom, uh, to seek aid from a former classmate and friend by the name of Drupada. But Rupa- Drupada rebukes the friendship, uh, claiming a king and beggar cannot be friends. And that humiliates Droma. So this is sort of like his origin story. He starts with like these humble things. And then he grows up to become this like master of warfare uh, hero Mm. and one of the eight immortals that um, that are there. Anyways, he finds himself wrapped up in the the Kurukshaka War, which, uh, as I said, was a sort of dynastic struggle between two groups of cousins for the throne of a place called Hastinapura, which is uh, the name of a city in the Meerut region uh, in the state of Uttar Pradesh, which is a sort of province of northern India mm-hmm. and essentially the war is like the foundation of the Bhagavad Gita which is a sort of 700 verse Hindu scripture and part of an epic dated to the second half of the first millennium BCE and so it's um, like one of the holy scriptures of Hinduism so it's like a pretty big deal yeah it sounds like it and people have speculated that the war might have some historical actual basis to it um, because the the writing of it like goes over all 18 days of the war but they think it might be based oh. on a 14th century CE uh, battle called the Battle of the Ten Kings. That which sounds like, equally cool. Yeah, that's the one that yeah that was the one that I think uh, we saw the movie where where Shang Chi fights with the dragon or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> They're all Marvel movies. All history is just Marvel movies. All right, it's true. everyone knows this. Uh, the Battle of the Ten Kings was essentially a battle between a uh, Bharata king and mm-hmm. a confederation of tribes, and apparently the Bharata us one handily but it was apparently it was a big deal and yeah that the, the current tradition believes that that was the uh transition to kali yuga so that would put it at roughly in their dating about the year 3102 bce which would be about a little over 5,000 years ago kind of it would be if a big if a big powerful weapon was detonated that seems a little short compared to the multiple trillion years mm-hmm. of of devastation um, but maybe they just exaggerated. Who yeah. knows? Um, but in this war, the Brahma Shirsha Astra comes up and they say that if it's used, it'll create a chain reaction of massive explosions that'll destroy any desired entity of the universe or even the universe itself. Um, oh, no. And even the weapon is shown manifesting with the four heads of Brahma at its tip. So there's a description I got here of uh, what yeah. this thing going off would be like. Yeah, read it. It blazes up with a terrible, with terrible flames and a huge sphere of fire. Numerous peals of thunder to be heard. Fissures start on the earth. Rivers become dry. Thousands of meteors fell and all living creatures become terrified with a great with great dread. The entire sky seemed to be filled with noise and assumed a terrible aspect with flames of fire. The whole earth with her mountains and waters and trees trembled. Oh, yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds intense. 
Yeah, and apparently this one's even more powerful than the other ones because if this one strikes an area, nothing will grow there, not even a blade of grass for the next 50 Brahma years, which is 155.5 oh trillion years. That's so many years. Yeah. That's more years than I've been alive. And I'm old. Yeah, you're almost 30. Oh I'm my God. I'm almost 30. That's the same as 155.5 trillion human years. Yeah. Like, I think we're dealing with the heat death of the universe at that point, but holy mm -hmm. crap. So that's sort of the story. And you know what? If I were reading that, I would definitely think, hey, that sounds kind of nuky to me, doesn't it? It sounds like a big, a big, powerful, fiery bomb. Yeah, it sounds like something uh, terrible and devastating happened. And I think the biggest thing that we have in our sort of mind right now to sort of equate that with would be the uh, destructive power of of uh, a terrifying nuclear weapons. Yes. So it feels like, you know, if you're comparing them, not too far off. Yeah. So uh, next, we're going to look into some context and understand what's going on here and maybe pick out a few differences between uh, nuclear bombs and these Brahma weapons. Were they nukes or was it not that? Uh, we'll find out. Let's first talk about the claims of you know nuclear weapons and all that kind of stuff. About yeah. what what are nuclear weapons? What and, are they? Uh, How do they work? Well, um, what's interesting about that is that some of that is still kept secret because they don't mm. want a lot of people discovering how to make them. Now, so I always heard it was about like if you split an atom, that's a nuclear explosion, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so what you're talking so, about is okay. Well, okay. So if I if I took if I made a rocket that has a single atom in, in it on a table or something. And then I have a knife above it. And then so when the rocket crashes, the knife will cut into the atom and then it'll create a big explosion. <laughs> There's a few steps there. I like a very, it would be a yeah, very, yeah. very, very little explosion. Um, okay. But it'll do, it'll, I think I basically got it is sure. what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I guess like we can go down to like nuclear physics and talk about what nuclear fission is exactly, which is okay. that uh, when an atom is smashed apart, uh, the energy, that's sort of holding the atom together gets unleashed and re releases energy but at the same time sort of the particles that make up that atom blow off in all directions in like a kind of little explosion. Um, some material, uh, some types of atoms have uh, explode easier or harder. Um, mm. And some like uranium-235 or plutonium or any of those things are particularly explodey. Mm are particularly susceptible to when uh, getting hit by what they use would be, I believe, neutrons to do this, to sort of a oh. part of an atom. So when you when you do this, when you set off this uh, this thing and then it hits, think about it like uh, like you're like billiards, right? Like you hit this atom with a particle, it blows bits off in all directions. And if it's surrounded by other atoms, these will hit them and they will go off and it'll kind of create like, sort of a chain reaction. That's exactly the word they use. Chain oh. reaction, which leads to uh, um, basically a creation of energy and heat and radiation. And the way that a nuclear power plant works is they basically, they, the uranium fuel pellets have that happening in them and they're generating heat and radiation. And if they want to speed it up or slow it down, they drop rods of graphene into it, which is sort of graphene's very not good at splitting. So if you drop that in, it sort of catches these, these particles and doesn't let them yeah. go off and cause more things. Okay. And if that process of controlling it fails, uh, what happens is, is that the uranium gets so hot that it starts melting and you get oh. what's called a meltdown. Oh, that doesn't sound good. No, no, no. It's one of the reasons why Chernobyl, for example, is going to be mm -hmm uninhabitable for thousands of years because it has it, it its fuel is still liquid today it's still so hot like they had to build a special thing to keep it from burning into the earth and basically getting into the water supply so it's currently in like it's you know cement coffin um just it's still like hot and there's no real way to stop it it's emitting like tons of radiation so that is um that's 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 just how a nuclear power plant works. Now, a nuclear bomb is where you take, uh, specifically, I think, plutonium, which is an even more powerful kind of version of uranium, and you take like a small sphere of it, by the way, if the CIA comes and shut this down for me saying, take yeah. a small sphere of 
of, yeah, teach of, us how to make one at home, Tristan. Yeah, if you don't mind. Uh, if you take a sphere of plutonium, which uh, is has been enriched using centrifuges and stuff like that, that 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 part is still um, like nuclear scientists are uh, keep pretty under wraps because, okay, like, okay. for example, like uh, the whole thing that was going on with Iran was basically because they were trying to research how to do this, and uh, that was when everyone was like, "Oh, they're developing nuclear weapons uh, because oh. to enrich uranium, uh, yeah, it, it can create this stuff." Anyways, you take a sphere of it. Uh, there's two ways to do it, really. You take a sphere of it, and then you surround that with explosives. And so what happens is that they all explode at a perfectly synchronized moment. So all of that energy goes in. So think about like that pellet where I was saying that, that like chain reaction happens. Now imagine if you were to crush all of it or a good okay. chunk of it at the same time. Oh, no. And then just all of that energy and particles just go off all at once. Oh, no. <laughs> so you could imagine that that would cause uh, what's called a fuckload of energy. <laughs> yeah, a big, big boom. Yeah, a big, big boom. Uh, sort of like a nuclear bomb because that's exactly what it is. That's uh, what it is. Yeah, and there's a different way to make one that involves um, sort of shooting a piece of uranium at another piece of uranium at a very high speed, but I, I don't know the details on how that one works. But um, Gotcha. But so and then, there's my, then there's my way with the knife. In yeah, the atom. with the knife. With, with a yeah, knife yeah. made of, yeah, a very, very sharp knife. A very, very sharp knife that can cut an atom. Yeah. Actually, it reminds me that um, Democritus, the, uh, the, f- the Greek philosopher who sort of pioneered the idea of the atom was basically like, if I cut a piece of cheese small enough, I will get to the smallest possible unit of cheese that there ever could be. And that oh, that's an atom. So it's kind of atom. fits that thing. Well, an atom is just one single unit of cheese. Yeah. The I'm smallest, learning a lot The today. smallest possible unit of cheese. Um, <laughs> that's like when they go, they, you go to Olive Garden and they're like, how much cheese do you want on, on your salad? And so I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. So as soon as they crank one, one atom of cheese out, I'm like, that's good. I'm good. Now that sounds like nothing like any lactose intolerant person I have ever met yeah, because they no, say, give me that it. cheese. Give, yeah. give it all. Wreck my body, cheese. I need it. I need <laughs> that me. lactose. Wreck me, dairy daddy. <laughs> wreck me, dairy daddy. Yeah, I have never met a single lactose intolerant person who does not just like is no, 50% want, cheese by I volume. I do want the milk to destroy my body. Yeah, because it tastes good. And yeah. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> um, so, so, so on the thing, so what happens when that goes off is that obviously those particles blow everywhere and those particles and there's still like, you know, bits of fuel that are still shooting off those little particles. Mm-hmm. Now, those particles do something interesting when you see like all those like little fusion things going off. And that is they shoot off like little microscopic bullets and those little microscopic bullets um, wreck your DNA. Mm. Um, and essentially that is like why exposing your body to radiation is bad. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Yeah, it destroys your DNA. The most mild mm-hmm. version would be like a sunburn is basically when the radiation from the sun kind of destroys the DNA and the uppermost uh, layers of your skin. Oh, And I those cells that. die. That's why it peels. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, so just like that, but a lot and throughout your whole body. Yes. Would be, okay. Yeah. It basically destroys all of your DNA and you die an extremely painful, horrible death. Cool. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that that fuel, because like uh, that fuel eventually burns out, right? Like right. That, it can't it can't just shoot off particles forever. And basically there is a term we use for when a fuel has used up about half of all of the energy it's going to put out because as it go, as it uses more of its energy, it sort of gets weaker and weaker and weaker. Um, mm-hmm. with, when it gets to half, that's what that's its half life. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but so, wait. So then that means, all right, if my if my high school uh, chemistry is paying off, that means that it just it always just halves, right? It never fully goes to. At some point, zero? it'll get low enough that it's about on par with uh, the background radiation that's in everything. Okay. Um. So so to, so to kind of big on this, if you have a nuclear explosion, all of that goes off at once, and the radiation burns off over like a number of like uh, uh, over a number of times. While like if you have an example like Chernobyl where the fuel is constantly emitting all this stuff because the fuel is just keeps going and going and going because it's a chain reaction that um, that a controlled chain or uncontrolled chain reaction actually yeah. that's just kind of that keeps burning while like the nuclear bomb all that stuff went off at once and that's why you can live in Hiroshima today it is a mm-hmm. city in Japan that people can live in and you can't live in Chernobyl um, in the Chernobyl exclusion zone because it's still dangerous dangerous to it's live still there. there yeah it's not dangerous cool. enough to visit and as we're learning right now it's not dangerous enough apparently to station russian troops in but um huh. but it's uh but it is still because it's
because it's conveniently placed in sort of the borderlands between Ukraine and Belarus. Um, but, you know, it, it is still a place where, you know, you don't want to live there. Um, yeah. you, don't, you don't want to drink the water, essentially. No, um, no, 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 no. No, because you can you can be exposed to, a uh, you know, we're exposed to radiation all the time. So you, there's, all, there's so much you can be exposed to. Uh, and I think that's like the amount is measured in like sieverts, I think, or something like that. Anyways, the amount that you are in around Chernobyl is much, much higher than it is in other places. Yeah. But this is the part, the, the, the point I'm kind of trying to get at is if um, the weapon is, if the Brahma weapon, like they're conflating two things here. Okay. Uh, Ancient Aliens is trying to say that it's a nuclear bomb. If it's a nuclear bomb, then uh, whatever fuel it would have had to cause an explosion would have had a much shorter half-life and would have uh, decayed uh, fast enough that the radiation, the radioactive contamination would have been gone in a matter of decades and not trillions of years. Right, right, right. While like, yeah, a, like meltdown nuclear reactor is a very different thing because it's slow and it's slow burning right. and that's the problem. Right. And it doesn't create a big, the same big explosion. No, it just no. slowly poisons everything. Yeah, they're like mixing the two things up. They're mm-hmm. they're like, they're trying to get elements from both, you know, they want it to be a big explosion and also they want it to, to last for trillions and trillions of years. Correct. Yeah. Um, the other thing that isn't, that is, uh, that was kind of conveniently missing from this is that these Brahma weapons are not outside of context. Um, because I m- remember how I mentioned that it was called like, uh, the Brahma, uh, sorry, the, uh, the Brahmastra and, yeah. uh, the other one had the name of the, uh, Brahma Shirsha Astra. And I said that Astra is sort of became a word for archer and arrow and stuff. Yeah. So it turns out because Brahma is the most powerful creator god or is the creator god and the most the you know the highest of the gods Mm-hmm. that his Astra, his Astras are, of course, if you can make the universe, your Astras have the power to unmake the universe, basically, right? Mm, control Z. Yeah, but the thing is, it's not the only Astras. There is, throughout Hindu texts, Astras that are sort of weapons that channel the power of one of the gods and do various things based on what gods it's invoking. So the one that is the Astra of the creator god is the one that uncreates creates the universe, right? Uh-huh. So that could explain the, the thing, but it does mean that um, while the, you know, the, the Brahma weapons do sound like nuclear bombs, they're of a class of weapons that have all sorts of different uh, powers and shapes and that they can be invoked by various mantras and sort of like, cha- like they basically, if the gods uh, want you or, or, or if you want to channel the power of a god, you, you do mantras to that god. And if that god wants you to have it, they can give it to you. And in these weapons have all sorts of like occult and spiritual powers. It basically, yeah, you just like you do the right incantation, you summon it. Yeah, it's sort of like these are sort of like legendary weapons of, of ancient lore. And the thing is like it, it and, and like the secrets to summon these will be passed down through uh, gurus, which are sort of which is like, I think the Sanskrit word for teacher. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's sort of Makes a guru. Sense. And so the guru shisha system, which is that uh, gurus would teach this down to uh, their pupils, which are called the shisha. Uh, shishas. So uh, while the Brahma weapon is described as something with like the faces of Brahma on it, uh, I've seen Astras that are described as arrows, as nooses, as a discus, as a trident, huh. as a thunderbolt, okay. a mace, a bow, a sword, and even an axe. Um, so like All these over are the place. Yeah, these are legendary. These are the Indian Hindu versions of your Excaliburs, your sword, spears of destiny, your, um, I, I'm trying to think of some other like kind of like legendary weapons of your Mjolnirs. Of, yeah, your Mjolnirs, like those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and just and so obviously they just have one that is the weapon of the creator god. And if it's like if that is the weapon that channels the power of the creator god, then it must be able to uncreate reality, which is pretty mm, awesome. But yeah. um, but if you think about it in the context of these other Astras, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, there's there's lots of them. Mm-hmm. So essentially what we're coming down to is it's another case of um, one of the it's, it's one we haven't returned to in quite a while, which is it's a thing that looks like a thing. It's a um, thing that looks like a thing. So I will admit, and I think you would admit, too, that if you were to take a, uh, su- uh, you know, a sort of like superficial description of a Brahma weapon, it does fit our concept of the idea of the destruction that a nuclear bomb does. Yeah, I mean, even just even just earlier, I was also I didn't mention this, but I was sort of struck by the language of the text saying that like 
um, that I think it would like, like create a, a chain reaction that would like uh, dry the seas up or something like that. And yeah, rivers run dry and things like that. And it, it yeah, it definitely struck me as I remember there was fear when nuclear weapons first were in the public sort of attention in, in America where people were afraid by detonating nuclear weapons in the ocean, like at Bikini Atoll, that it would create a chain reaction that would like evaporate all of the, all you know, it would evaporate all the water in the ocean or, you know, or mm-hmm. punch a hole into the Earth's crust that would le- drain the ocean into the Earth's core or something like that. So like yeah. ju- a lot of this like language is so, it's like specific and it, it feels like, Oh, I remember hearing like this same thing being described about nuclear weapons. And like, there's a lot of those that it feels like it's it's like a it's a thing that seems like a different thing. Yeah. When I was describing uh, the chain reaction thing, uh, you can imagine that if you did not know how how like how resistant some materials might be to that kind of fission, um, mm-hmm. that you could imagine that yeah, like it would hit this and then that would break it off and that would hit that and then that would just continue until you've blown up the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's they thought would happen. I remember when we were doing the research for that video, reading this uh, bit about um, when they were making the bombs, they had to. Uh, they had a guy in the Manhattan Project who had to mm-hmm. soberly sit down and like basically like figure out what chance that would have of happening and what chance of that happening was acceptable to mm-hmm. go forward with this project because it's like one of those things where it's like there is a very 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 low chance of it happening but the, but if but it does happen yeah. <laughs> but if it does happen then it would be like the end of the universe or the end of the world and so like they had to he had to calculate it and he was like okay if it's if the chances are only one in a million that we are that we are wrong on this that that it won't happen mm-hmm. then that's what we can entertain and they had like a whole people whole team of people try to calculate all of the uh the the odds that that could happen mm-hmm. and they eventually became comfortable that they were going to be able to use it and not cause a chain reaction that would unmake well, the I'm world glad they did that instead of just being like it probably won't happen you it's know it's probably fine it's probably fine that's that's the that's the infamous words that everyone says before they do something they regret oh yeah this will be this will be fine but yeah i mean yeah it it goes back to that that language of, of just like it feels like a lot of the same a lot of the same language that is that people throughout history have described uh, nuclear weapons with. Mm-hmm. It could also, if you think about it, describe volcanoes. It could describe uh-huh. uh, could describe earthquakes, which are not unheard of in India. There are not many volcanoes in India, but there are a lot of earthquakes. Um, it could describe so it could describe any number of like natural disasters. But the thing is, is that they did not have the point of reference of nuclear bombs. Bombs, but we do. No. And the other thing, too, is that this is assisted along because of that connection made by J. Robert Oppenheimer, because he made this connection to sort of explain the power of the bombs that he had made. And basically what they did is they just went, well, what if the thing you referred to was a nuclear bomb, huh? But you see, like, that mm. connection's already been made in our head because Oppenheimer was sort yeah. of musing on it. Makes and- sense. He was he was like, yeah, we saw this, this new thing and it reminded me of this ancient thing and people are like it reminded you of it <laughs> or you're halfway you mean, there in ancient aliens land yeah or do you mean you were inspired by it to create nuclear what like you know yeah, like yeah, yeah, oh yeah. you're trying to replicate it it's like no you're 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 seeking it out the, the exact opposite way mm-hmm. um then there's the other things we can talk about whenever we talk about these sort of like out of place these upas if you remember or uh these out of place sort of artifacts or out of place uh things oh yeah um, <laughs> Um, wow, it's been so long since we've talked about that. Yeah. But like um, what comes up is things like technology, high technology leaves traces and uh like we already know that like making like the the process of making nuclear fuel involves like whole facilities and like, extremely mm. advanced centrifuges and like all sorts of uh, like all sorts of like very advanced components that uh, you need yeah. to have like a pretty good grasp of atomic physics to understand and evidence that they knew about atomic physics and like all those kinds of things. Yeah. And also you kind of picked out the, the another important thing, which is when you were talking about half-lives or when you were talking about half 
how um, you might like it might go down and down, but it would never go out, which is that, yeah, um, radioactive weapons do leave radiation behind. Uh, Hiroshima still is high, has a higher baseline radiation than like, you know, where I live. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just in safe levels. But we do have tools. Yeah. That, that we do have tools that study that kind of thing. And it also would have impacted everything. Like we would have seen in the archaeological record uh, areas that have been like blacked out. We would have seen like the, the burn in the soil. We would have seen uh, we would like our Geiger counters would have gone bananas if we went near them. Like mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things that would have happened if one, they were a society that was capable of making such things and two the physical remains like if it was an alien for example and they just dropped a nuke on the earth for the lulls or whatever yeah uh, then we would have seen evidence in both uh nuclear waste uh, or sorry in like uh sort of nuclear contamination and right. um and signs of the physical destruction that um that 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 would be there and this brought me to a very cool fact that i kind of want to finish off on that i think you're going to find very interesting oh. that sort of speaks okay. to how big and how deep this sort of impact can go. It's it's rare that we end on something that sort of perks me up instead of, uh, you know, makes everyone sad. But I'll, yeah. I'm, I'm up for it. It's a little sad, but it's also cool. Oh, of course it um, is, yeah. So have you ever heard of something called low background steel? Never in my life. Okay, so uh, low background steel is a certain type of steel that needs to be, uh, that that is useful for making certain types of things that are sensitive to radiation, like um, like MRI machines mm. and like Geiger counters and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, need stuff things, this this stuff called low background steel. Um, what that is is steel that was produced prior to the detonation of the first nuclear bombs in the 40s and 50s. Oh. So that means that at this moment, now they used to have a lot more need for this in the past. Apparently the need for it has greatly reduced, but it's not zero. Okay. Uh, steel that comes from things like shipwrecks and other sort of steel objects that have been buried or have been like put at sea or something like that that come from the time before the uh, explosion of the nuclear bombs so that they don't have um, the contamination from the fallout of all of those nuclear explosions. And that is like all the steel on Earth got affected by oh. these like tests that happened in the 40s and 50s. Okay, we need some old steel, some pre-nuke steel. Yeah. And so it's been going down ever since we stopped atmospheric nuclear testing um, and we're almost at natural levels. But it and so that's why like most of the radiation sensitive things we don't need to anymore. Like if you made steel today it's not that much more radioactive than steel made before so it's enough that you could probably get by for most uses but there are some where it's still used like in making geiger counters and also apparently some of the sense uh some sensors that are used on spaceships uh need uh need sort of special steel what a fun thing though right like what a what a fun thing that like we can't we we couldn't make it out of modern day steel necessarily so we're like upcycling <laughs> we're like upcycling this ancient steel to be like you're gonna be part of a spaceship now bet yeah. you never saw that coming little guy it's true that's fun yeah and apparently um it's led to this sort of illegal scavenging um industry especially in places like the java and south uh china sea where well, there's a lot fun. of ship well there's a lot of shipwrecks there from world war too right like a lot of right. old japanese and american ships and stuff and planes and stuff like that and there's like this uh sort of like uh i mean it's illegal but like it's it's uh, it's illegal scavenging basically of like people going and pulling up these old wrecks to find this kind of steel for specifically these kinds of purposes okay i mean I think it's kind of fun. And it's still a thing today. So what I'm saying is that if a Brahma weapon went off like thousands of years ago, it would be detectable. Like uh, we there's even uh, I'm going off book here. So I'm trying to I'm going off memory. So I'm going to be very vague in the details here. So I don't want to be wrong and then have to make another AI picture. Um, (laughs) But there is even a case. I believe it's somewhere on the African continent where um, the specific formation inside a mountain 
mm-hmm. led to uh, a sort of natural nuclear reactor uh, slowly burning over like millions of years. Oh, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. And we found evidence of that because of like the background radiation and the sort of um, like when, you know, when a certain type of mineral goes through fission, it creates byproducts and those byproducts are things that we can measure. And that's usually called, that's called radioactive decay. So mm. um, if you have, so like when we do like radiocarbon dating, for example, we mm-hmm. know that like uh, this object will like if this object decays at a very predictable rate. And so uh, we can study that and then find a rough range on how old it is based on its rate of decay. So that like we, we there, there's like, yes. what I'm saying is we have enough science about radiation and radioactive yes. decay and all these things that we probably if we were digging around India and found stuff from the time when a nuclear bomb went off, it would set off some yeah. uh, alarms in the uh, in the archaeology community that might uh, be worth writing a book or two about. It's not often that you get an ancient aliens theory that feels so easily proved wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in this case, because because nuclear weapons do create all of this stuff that is measurable even long, long, long times after, you know, a long time after it goes off. Uh, it, the fact that we, as far as, as far as I understand, haven't found anything to, to point to it, haven't found any sort of, uh, you know, radiation that is, that would point to, uh, you know, a weapon of that scale going off in those ancient times, sort of just as like, well, that sort of, uh, sort of just disproves it immediately, doesn't it? That's the ancient aliens. They, they, they do best when they make their more vague, unfalsifiable claims and they got to stick yes. to those because once you can actually test things, you would probably uh, start to uh, mention. There's another case uh, that we'll probably do in a future episode about uh, possible nuclear destruction of a city in, I think, modern day Pakistan. So we'll see where that goes. But um, but it's sort of in the same vein. And again, don't do things that you can test, bud. Um, yeah, but, that, <laughs> but, that, but that's the Brahma weapons. I know that that was like this one. I feel like has the biggest like if you don't look at the science, it's very compelling. And then if you look at the science yeah. and the history, it's very, very not compelling. And so it, like, I, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Cause yeah, w- we did some research on this for the video that we did, by the way, go watch that video. If you haven't, it's a really good video. We had a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it. It's, it's on my channel, nerd sync. Uh, but Tristan's also in it and he did a lot of the research for it. Uh, and it's great. I mean, and we've done two videos <laughs> together about nuclear weapons apparently. So go check it out. But yeah, we were doing, we were doing the research for it. And even I was like, even though the entire video was with trying to poke fun at ancient aliens for these theories even I was reading it going like, huh, I mean, if you squint a little bit, it kind of feels like it, huh? But then, yeah, once you, once you sort of look at, uh, once you sort of look at the science, it doesn't really, doesn't really line up. Uh, so that is another, uh, video or that's another episode that I said was going to be a short one. And we are now, uh, over an hour and five minutes into our recording. So that's uh, all right. Knocked out of the park yet again. We, we managed Mm to, um, we managed to fill it with enough uh shtick to 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 fill out the time behind the scenes everybody every time i say that this is going to be a short one it ends up being like one of our longest episodes um well, so just, just to give you a little bit of credit as well everything you were explaining after the break about how nuclear reactors work and how nuclear bombs work is not in the script you just yeah, did that from memory <laughs> that is true um so anyways that's probs not a Aliens are probably not aliens, but that's if, this show. If I really liked this Twitter, if I liked this podcast and I was like, you know what? I would like to tweet at this podcast. Where would I go, Scott? Oh, you can go to probs, not aliens on twitter.com. Uh, we have so many people tweet where us we both like tweet now <laughs> where we both tweet now, including Tristan and people, people always tag us in like um, threads that they have while listening to an episode uh, of stuff we may have have missed or just additional facts that are interesting about the topic we're talking yes. about. And there's those a, are very fun. Yeah, there's a really great thread
thread that just got posted today in response to our episode on the Cholula Pyramid, which is just like elaborating on a bunch of things that I didn't get yeah. into. And it's so good. It's so good. And it just goes to show you, even though we spend like an hour on, you know, ancient aliens will spend five minutes on a topic or less. We will spend an hour on a topic and then we still have a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't get to touch on. Uh, that's how deep these these things go. Uh, so please follow us over there for some more st- uh, more stuff. Just more stuff. Some more content. And thank you, Jamie Johansson, for that wonderful thread. For that uh, thread. Yeah, thank you so much. Tristan, where can people find more juicy, delicious content with you in it? So I uncontrollably tweet at Tristan PEJ, but uh, the ma- place where I make content that I actually worked on, not compared to this show, compared to Twitter, <laughs> is on Step Back, which is uh, at Step Back History. Step Back History. Yeah, I think yeah. I have that domain still. I hope so. I put it in the link to all of our episodes of this podcast. Yeah, I think I still got it. So yeah, stepbackhistory.com. You can go there and find my stuff. There's hundreds of videos there now. So if you like my, this is me kind of letting my hair down and being more fun. But Scott, yeah. what if I wanted to learn about what Captain, would Miss Marvel just came out? What if I wanted to learn what Captain Marvel has to say about imposter syndrome? Or if I wanted to learn about why the new Velma show is going to be a bit uh, weird, where would I go? Boy. I mean, everyone's got so many opinions, but if you want to hear mine, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. Uh, I have so many fun video essays about comics and superheroes and cartoons and, you know, Scooby-Doo and, and all sorts of fun stuff that, uh, you know, we we learn a little bit about the world and we learn a, bit, a little bit about ourselves along the way. And also, I just have fun. The Velma thing was not learning about anything. It was just me me goofing on the, sh- on the show a little bit. But yeah, go check it out. I also tweet at Scott Nicewander. That's my main Twitter account. You can follow me there. I'm so close to 16,000 followers. Oh, boy. I'd love to I'd love to get up there I'd love to eventually get a nice little blue check mark so I can become insufferable as all the all, all the blue check marks are that would be very fun Ooh. for me I, I have a feeling if I ever get verified on Twitter I will not last <laughs> I will just be too tempted to do something that will cause it to go away another Elon fake Elon Musk account and if you like this show well you can leave us a review that would be very nice leave us a review on Apple Podcasts it really helps the show out a lot um uh, I know we say that all the time, but it's it's genuinely true. I know a lot of people have have you know found this show who are not fans of Tristan and I, but are fans of just the concept of the show, and they look at those reviews and they go, "Wow, this must be a pretty good podcast." So, thank you so much for everyone who leaves reviews. And uh, how else can people f- uh, help out the show? Well, uh, podcasts don't have recommendation systems like on YouTube, so really the best way is telling people about it, word of mouth, tweet about it, or tell your friends friends or post your favorite episodes and things like that because like that is really how podcasts grow and boy oh boy the things you guys have said have really made uh, a really cool little community and everything it's so nice I mean at least once a week we get someone just out of the blue being like hey I found this podcast and I think it's great and uh, they tag us in it and it's just like it's so nice it's so lovely to know that people are just going out of their way to, to spread the word about our show and I'm glad that people like it and I'm glad that even when we get things wrong people know that we are we're you know we're we're doing we're doing our best and there's no there's no like harsh criticism or judgment there it's all very chill it's a very nice community of people who are very understanding and just supportive and sweet and i love it mm-hmm. and you and the best way the best link to throw at people uh is probsnotaliens.com that's where you can go uh send people to to find links to where you can listen to this show everywhere and until next time i'm scott nice one I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Probably. I love that. I love India stuff. This is fun. I know we gotta we gotta go to India more often. We gotta go to India as much as you go to Mexico.